Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the place for gentle self-reflection and growth. Today I'm catching up with Natalie Imbruglia. I think the worst thing that could happen in some ways for just a human experience is that you just go up and up and up and up. I mean, sometimes, you know, the worst sides of, of my personality have been when supposedly I'm at the top and everything's great. And it's almost like when when the chips are down and you really get a sense of you're not what you do, you're who you are and how you're treated on the way down, so to speak. It's such a leveller and it's such a gift. Natalie has written a new album, Firebird, and she credits it with allowing her to find her confidence again, having lost her way a little bit beforehand. There are lots of lessons that we can all learn from her in both the album and in this chat about how rewarding it can be to allow things to just fall apart so that we can actively rebuild the life that we want. Amen to that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, let's do it then. Here's the show. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Nice to see your beautiful face. Oh, likewise. Now, I'm imagining at the moment life is quite busy for you. You've got a new album coming out soon. I'm sure there's video shoots and photo shoots and whatever else going on. How is how are the levels of overwhelm? You know, it's like a whole different world because everything's different. I feel like I'm not doing enough because everything's centered around the album. And, you know, I'm not doing as much as I would have done back in the day. Um, so I'm a little bit like, do you need me? Do you need me? But uh, I guess you could say juggling being a parent with all of that. Yes, I'm I'm busy, but so happy. That's so, so happy good. to be working. That, I know. <laughs> well, same. You know what? I think that's, I felt lucky every day this last year and a half that I've got a job. Like so many of my mates have been so screwed over and I've never been more grateful to get up in the morning and to put headphones on and to talk to people and to do the work that I do. And it's um, it's a nice feeling to have that gratitude woven into every day. Isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a gift to recognise how lucky you are. I think you can fall into the trap of comparing yourself or seeing what other people are doing and thinking I'm not doing enough. And it's such a great life tool to understand the whole gratitude thing and just you know, makes everything more enjoyable as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a life experience thing as well, because I'm imagining, you know, certainly first time round, but all through your 20s and maybe your 30s too, I I certainly felt that level of competitiveness or, or looking about and wondering if I was good enough, doing enough. And I think now my only real goal is just feeling 
peace, if that is at all possible. Peace is the aim mm. rather than it being like, oh my God, I have to do the absolute best, best, best and, and have the most eyes on me or whatever. It's just how can I find a bit of peace? How, how do you feel comparing your career back in the day to where you're at now? Well, I feel like we kind of came up through the ranks together. Yeah. You've been one of those staple, reliable faces in the industry <laughs> for me. It's like, oh, fancy, everything's okay. Oh, bless you. Um, but I, I feel like the industry encouraged that in us as well. I think there was a lot of comparing people in the press. So I think, you know, a lot of it was just the environment we were in. And thankfully, that's starting to change, which is a great thing. But I do. I think it's wisdom. I think it's life experience. And I have to say, I think it's it's often the the pitfalls that we go through. I think the worst thing that could happen in some ways for just a human experience is that you just go up and up and up and up. I mean, sometimes, you know, the worst sides of, of my personality have been when supposedly I'm at the top and everything's great. And, you know, I think <laughs> it's almost like when when the chips are down and you really get a sense of, you're not what you do, you're who you are and how you're treated on the way down, so to speak, the many downs I've had and the many ups. It's such a leveler and it's such a gift. I'm so much more in the moment in my life and I, I find it, I find life much more enjoyable because I don't plan. I'm just like literally maybe to the weekend, I'm, I'm living like that. And I don't know where that changed, but it definitely did mm. uh, and it's much better. Oh, it's so much better. I'm I'm sort of there. I'm sort of getting there. I And maybe this last year and a half has been a bit of a catalyst as well to just go, I can only actually deal with today because it's so noisy out there. I can just deal with what I've got on today and then we'll work out the rest as we go along. Mm. I mean, where do I start? There's so many things I want to ask you. Let, let's Before we delve into your, your whole life and your backstory and things that you've just touched on there, <laughs> I want to talk a bit more about the album first because... It seems from the outside like this is a real release of energy because there was um, you, you took a break from the music industry and this just feels like you've unleashed this creativity now. Is that is is that accurate? Is that how it feels? Very much so. I think I had went through some hard times within the industry and, you know, you could say how I was treated or things that happened to me that I decided meant the universe is telling me something, I'm not supposed to be doing this, you know, and it was a really hard time. And so I quit music and I, I just thought I'm not enjoying it, I'm not supposed to be doing it. And I went and studied acting, which was a great two years of my life and I loved learning that craft. I also think there's a bravery in the willingness to not be defined by what you always have been and to allow yourself the privilege to go, you know, I think people have often have it in their um, Saturn return. I'm sure you yeah. know about Saturn return coming into your 30s yeah. where you've, you've, you've kind of built this whole identity and this whole life around what you wanted to be when you were a little girl and then suddenly or a little boy and then suddenly you're like, maybe I can be something else. And so in many ways, I was going through that again and in allowing myself to move away from it and not needing it to be what defined me. I kind of fell back in love with music, but there was this one little issue and it was writer's block. And it was a very real thing for me. And um, I talk about a writing session I tried to have with Roddy Hart. He came down to write with me and I literally could not write. And I was like, hmm, should we go get a coffee? <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> we the were worst in feeling else. I've been And there. I just kept 
dodging it and chatting and it was incredibly painful and I didn't try again for a long time. Do you know what it was like? What what caused it? Was there did, did you have other blocks in your life that you were aware of that was sort of stopping you from being able to articulate what was going on for you? You know, do, do you have any ideas of what, where the foundations of that block were? Well, I mean, my my record company at the time didn't put that music out, but I'd spent three years of my life making. I don't think people really realise for some of us, it takes a long time to create these things and we put a lot of ourselves into it. It only got released in Australia and New Zealand with no explanation, accounting decision, whatever it was. You know, that's really heartbreaking, especially when you've got some Coldplay co-writes on there. You're just like, you know, this doesn't make any sense to my brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it was necessarily a masterpiece, but I know it was not that bad. So that was just really, I think that was really hard. God, I I have to stop you there because I know that feeling. I know that exact feeling. Like I can think back to more than one occasion where I've been, let's call it, taken off a job, essentially sacked without, without explanation. Again, like you're not told and there's not many industries where this happens, but... In, in this sort of world, quite often you're not, I mean, there will be other industries, but our one is, is pretty bad for that. You're not told or there's no explanation around why something doesn't turn out the way you, you think it might. And it's hard not to take it very personally. And it's hard not to then question your ability, the skills that you've learned over the years. I found that excruciating at times and it, and it has really knocked the confidence out of me. How, how have you felt around mm. that? You know, what, what has that done to your confidence? Well, I mean, they didn't even put it out. They just literally didn't. And you think at that point in your career, you're like, I don't understand. I still don't know what happened there. All I know is that it was crushing for me, for my confidence. Luckily, I had the opportunity to go to Australia and be a judge on X Factor. And that was a really good distraction. And I, I think putting my energy into other young artists was very healing for me and recognizing what I had achieved and watching these girls just absolutely shine who I'm still in touch with. So that that was really special for me. And then I was studying acting and I, it was really random that I met this guy who kept talking about these managers he wanted to introduce me to, music managers. It's almost like it comes back to you if, if it's your destiny. And so I was like, I'm not singing anymore. And then eventually he wore me down. I was like, I'll take the meeting. And then those managers plonked me in Sony Masterworks. I thought we were just going to say hello. And then I was pitching myself for a deal again without my knowledge so and I just remember standing at the window in New York City and thinking never look at a gift horse in the mouth say yes you know when you're just like I was angry that this was put on me but it was like say yes just say yes and so what that tour did uh, the covers album tour mail reconnected me with my fans and it was that realization that you know, they want to hear what I've got to say. If I can get over my writer's block, I love this communication I have with my audience. I love singing. If it's five people in a pub, do I really care? I mean, it's a worthy thing to fight for. Mm, so that was a really great pivotal point for you to, to start rebuilding your confidence. And and after that, obviously, you know, there's stages of confidence building. And I've certainly, well, I think I'm still going through it to some extent. I found my confidence in the areas that I love, like podcasting and writing, but there's still areas where I've got a lot of work to do. And 
I guess there's lots of different equations that equal confidence and different ways of finding those building blocks. What were they for you to then get yourself, you know, writing with other writers, to get to get yourself into a studio, to stand in front of a microphone, to record, to then eventually, you know, shoot a video and then at some point do a gig? You know, what, what are those stepping stones for you to really start getting the confidence back and owning it? I think working with managers that really listened to me and were kind and two beautiful women that I work with that said, you know, we're going to allow you that time to find your confidence again. And they really supported me in that. And they introduced me to Luke Fitton. And that was the start of my writing process. They helped me find someone that was the right personality, gentle and not pushy. And that was my first step. And then he brought in Fiona Bevan and Rachel Ferner. So that was the start of it. And then I went to Nashville because I thought, Nashville is just, I mean, people move their whole life to Nashville just to songwrite. And as terrifying as that was going to be, I've been there writing before. It wasn't my first Nashville trip, but I thought, you know, 10 days solid writing sessions that my friend, um, publisher Alicia Pruitt booked for me. I knew I was going to come out the back end of that with something. I wrote some awful songs. There were tears. I mean, <laughs> there were some lyrics and yeah, it was, it was difficult. There's got to be a couple of stinkers always. There's got to be. That's yeah. just life, isn't it? So, but I wrote this one song um, that's on my album Firebird that I was really proud of. And it's just a country ballad. When you love too much is what it's called. And it just really, it gave me that confidence. And it's funny. What's interesting about that fern is that when you keep showing up to try and find that trigger point and then you get that trigger point, we're energy. It then, yeah. they talk about being in flow. They talk about these things and it's true. It's like the artist's way. I know there's yeah. a book out there that talks of this and it's, it's, it's just showing up and almost getting through the layer of chat in your brain. It's the same with songwriting. And then once you, you have proof that you can, there was a point where I was listening to my albums I'd already written to kind of, really remind myself that I wrote that yeah yeah I think it's so important that there is an element of sort of discipline and practice about confidence it's not something just magically appears confidence is also I'm just going to try again I'm just going to give it a go and I guess the willingness that that doesn't mean it's going to turn out perfectly or you're going to have the best day but just to keep the momentum up of of trying again and also going back to what you were talking about a minute ago finding you know this is uh this lovely new friend of mine Giselle who's she's like a, an energy healer and she does astrology and all sorts of wonderful things she was talking to me recently about at some point down the line you find your soul team and it doesn't have to be in terms of career always it can just be in your life it could be people helping you with family life or just friends but having a small but really brilliant group around you that get you where it's it's all good energy. It's everyone's kind and, and all the things you've just described, people that give you time, that listen, and you can offer that to them as well. It's it's really important to try and find your little soul team in life. So funny. I have a term for that. I call it my universal family because mm. you have your birth family and then you have your family that you find in the world, Yeah, your soul group, soul mm. team. And I think I figured that out very young because I was very independent and I was living away from my family home in another city to do neighbours at 16 and a half. So at a very young age, I decided I was just kind of off on my own path. And I think my parents were a little bit frightened of my ambition because they weren't showbiz parents. 
And I think some of us just have a very strong sense of destiny. But I don't have anywhere near the confidence I had back then. But I obviously needed that to get my start in life. And then the real challenges begin. Yeah. I, I think what, what it means is the confidence that I have now is so hard earned that it's it's so much sweeter, you know, to write this album at this stage of my life, what I've endured and, you know, what I've had to overcome personally to get to a place of confidence. Because you're not, I don't attach to the outcome. It's It's about doing it. <laughs> you know, you're so grateful that you that you, you've gotten to a place where you can confidently create like that. It's funny, isn't it? I, I feel exactly the same looking back. I started work at a similar age and I was incredibly confident and a lot of that was based on I guess being quite naive and not really knowing any of the pitfalls that we've talked about or just how extreme everything can be in the industry and just life, just how crazy life is. And and as you get older, I, I guess because, you know, there's been loss and there's been huge hurdles and there's been adversity, you know, it does sort of knock that confidence out of you to some extent. And like you say, maybe it is a much nicer confidence to know that it's earned and that you've had to work for it rather than just sort of naively stepping into the whirlwind because I feel exactly the same I sometimes look back at me age I don't know 18 19 and think oh I wish I was just as gung-ho about everything as as the young me was and I'm just not I feel much more delicate and sort of like I'm so much more easily bruised by things yeah because you know what can happen there's more consequence there's more you know it's like it's like love, isn't it? It's like anything. Yeah. You just, you, you know, if you have pitfalls in any area, then you're like, oh, that might happen again. You become more protective of yourself, mm. which I guess is a, is a human thing. That's great that we have that inbuilt protection mechanism, but it's just finding that balance where that, that can be too much. And you have to have you have to have tools. I use meditation. I use, you know, like you're saying, I have a, a really good group of friends that are a real leveler for me that I can check in with. But I definitely think it's about showing up and there's discipline and there's practice. Whatever it is you choose to do in life, uh, my experience has shown me, it, uh, you know, and something that my mother, I have to say, taught me was just to never give up. I wanted to quit tap dancing when I was a kid because I had a fight with my tap dancing teacher. <laughs> and my mum said, nope, mm-hmm. you're just angry right now. I was furious at my mother that she wouldn't let me quit. It's really kind of stuck with me that, that kind of parenting, stick at it, don't give up, you know. Yeah, get those tap shoes out. <laughs> That's our new motto, get those tap shoes out. Um, you've got a song called Build It Better, which which seems to sort of allude to the fact that you've got to embrace when things fall to shit a bit and you've got to embrace the chaos of life, which seems highly relevant uh, at the moment with everything that's going on in the world. Are you good at that? Are you good at letting go and embracing all, all the madness? Uh, sometimes I am, but I think that song was written at a time where I was trying to, the whole theme of Firebirds, my album is, Firebird to me represents strength and fragility and the, those two themes. And all the songs on the album deal with those in different ways. And I think that we often see our fragility as a weakness. And I think what we're talking about is sometimes the real strength is in that fragility and allowing yourself to to fall apart and to, you know, it's a feeling. And sometimes on the other side of that feeling is a breakthrough and, and is love, you know. So um, I've had to learn that because we sometimes we're just kind of trying to keep it together, trying to be strong, trying to push, you know, 
sit on top of things, sit on top of feelings, handle things. I'm a, a real soldier in life. Like I just get on with it. I don't have any family here. All my family's in Australia. It's just how I operate. But sometimes you have to let, you have to kind of make friends with that side of yourself. And in me surrendering to that and not trying to control everything in my life was where I found my strength. Mm, it's hard, isn't it? Oh, so I find hard. it so. I find it so hard. I I micromanage the shit out of everything. Like I fool myself into thinking I've got an element of control because I find the bigger level of chaos going on around me just so hard to navigate that I try and micromanage the tiny like the minutiae to feel in control which you can't we can't we're not in control of anything we're really we're not. not actually I've got a great book for you and oh, audio tell me. I, I, I did an audio book it's Michael A. Singer um, The Surrender Experiment oh need that will paradigm shift you that I think a lot of us need yeah a lot of us need this because we're just you know I am at times I can, I'm like white knuckling. I'm like grabbing hold of everything I can because it just feels like everything's so fast and crazy. And it's, so I think, you know, I can, I, real, I really get a sense of where your writing was coming from. I know, I know all of those feelings. And do you think, you know, looking at that fragility versus strength that you're talking about, do you find it harder at the point in life, you know, we're both at now to put yourself out there because, you know, back then when we were young and, and we were, you were on, you were all over the world, TV and, and music and everything you were doing, you sort of got that naive confidence. Do you find it harder to put yourself out there now to, whether it's to receive judgment, to be even seen, um, to be exposed on that level? Is it harder? Um, it's harder and it's easier. I mean, I, I, you know, from a very young age, have been quite dysmorphic and always found it hard, which is confusing for other people. But I remember doing photo shoots and being freaked out they were going to make me wear a dress and being called difficult. So when you already have sensitivities to certain things about being in the public eye, and then you're made to feel because, you know, they're like, oh, she's gorgeous. She's, you know, it's like not validated. Yeah. That can be a really tricky one. So then you're like not only dealing with that issue, but you're dealing with how it comes across. So you're like, oh my gosh, it's a lot. Um, yeah. I think that energy dissipates just because you can't, <laughs> you just relax into life. Becoming a parent, becoming a mother has been very good for that. I think priorities and not sweating the small stuff. But I mean, I mean, I think... I feel for this, I can speak of this album, I feel 100% confident about this piece of work. Like that is a very new feeling to just be like, mm, oh my God. How wonderful. I just can't wait to share this piece of work. It's the best work I've ever done. Even just to say that out loud feels so good. But the whole press side of it, find very hard. Yeah. I find it really hard. I'm quite a private person, as you know. And so I feel like stepping back out there I always talk about it as it's like it's just that first bit where you have to learn to put the armor back on mm. and then you do your first round and you get your first kind of article that comes out that says something nasty or you know puts a headline that you don't like whatever you don't have control over I'm sure you relate to being a uh, micromanager yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the and worst. then you go oh that's right that's how it goes yeah, that's, how, that's it how it is and then it gets easier. So I think it's always the start when you've kind of been anonymous and just living your life and just that jolt of remembering oh. that 
you can't control it. They're gonna not everyone's gonna like you. Not everyone's gonna represent you the way you want to be represented. Do you need to have a problem with it? Mm. We talked to Rhonda Byrne on this podcast about a similar sort of thing that when you're it was more emotional really than sort of circumstantial. But if you're feeling depressed or anxious rather than panicking and wanting it to go away and trying to suppress it or move on like embracing it fully and sort of saying yes to that experience like okay yeah we'll feel depressed for now we'll let that in fully and then watching it release that bit quicker but it's even down to silly things like you know you have in your mind a set plan and you know how our job is it's like oh no it's changing so the video shoot that's a month away is next week Mm. and you're like what I'm not mentally prepared and so you know learning to kind of be okay with change I think it's also a little bit OCD I have that so it's very hard for me to deal with when things change like I for anxiety yeah and so I have tools and things that I use to kind of help me cope with that and one of them is meditation yeah do you think that's ramped up since becoming a mum because that's certainly the case for me I'm oh gosh I mean I used to sort of not mind traveling about or I'd sleep in another person's house you know I'd go for a dinner and then just sleep on their sofa just fine but any change now like not having my own pillow freaks me out do you know what I mean I'm like any change totally rattles me and I was so much more dynamic before I had kids no well because you you know you've got something more important than yourself to worry about yeah and it's definitely something that I, I mean, that's why I have to stay in today because if I think about, so how do I tour with a child? Mm. <laughs> How's that going to work? Okay, don't worry about it today because I'm not touring today. I don't need to be in when that's going to be, you know, like everything can be worked out. Yeah. And I have great people around me and just kind of reassuring yourself to just kind of stay in today and and not panic. But yeah, definitely I think it's to do with I mean, you're, you, you know, there's a whole other human being or human beings that you have to <laughs> uh, yep. worry about. Have you watched Pink's documentary about her touring with her kids? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, watch it. I mean, it's mad. It's just like, I don't know how she's doing it, but it's it's empowering and amazing. And it it looks genuinely authentic and very raw it's you I think you'll really enjoy it I'll check it out um, yeah I'm a massive fan of pink she's I did a so tour of her in Australia isn't oh, she she's amazing I've only interviewed her once but I, I thought I just think she's brilliant I love everything she stands for she's Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So look, let, let's talk about that. So... As you've just said, when you have to get back into this particular cycle, once you've recorded an album, you've done the lovely creative bit, it's very intimate. You know, you're you're making something you love. You're at this stage where you're deeply proud of it, which is a wonderful thing. And then you've got to start doing press and all that stuff and the suit of armour goes on. How did, you know, you've got the tools these days. You know how it's going to turn out. You know there might be something you don't want to read about yourself. I don't read any of it. If I do an interview, I, I don't even look afterwards because I can't bear to. But back in the day... 
without the tools, how did you cope with that? You know, you, especially after Torn, you know, you were literally everywhere. You were jetting off around the world everywhere, you know, pulled in each direction. How on earth did you cope with that? Well, I was expecting everyone to give me a hard time because I was a soap star trying to be a singer. So I was like, I was like that, boxing gloves on, come on, (laughs) maybe in five years time, I'll write this one song and I'll get your respect. And then they just loved this song. And so I was like, whoa, I'm not that great. Calm down, everybody. (laughs) Just don't get too excited. I've got to write another album. (laughs) So it was very hard. And so I just spoke about this in an interview, which was the fact that writing that second album after a song that's connected around the world in a way that, you know, is such a gift to have been a part of. I don't think it will ever be as hard as writing my second album, which I'm incredibly proud of, which is White Lily's Island. And I'll tell you what it is. It was slated when it came out. I mean, I once my manager hit it for me. Second album. Oh, the second album, right. I once found like a a stack of press clippings that had been hidden from me of just like awful articles. And I was like, whoop, probably shouldn't have looked at that, feeling a bit sick. (laughs) I have to, (laughs) what I have to say is that it's my fans they would come up to me and it might be years later and tell me about a song on that album that saved their life. Or, you know, I came out when I had to, when I came out in my life, that's a song that gave me the courage to do that. Or this was the song for our wedding. And you're like, Oh my gosh, there I was worrying about a bunch of people that are kind of critiquing something you know, where the story's already set up after a song like Torn, it's just there, you know. And really, you don't do it for them. You do it for the people that who love your music and who are affected in a positive way. And so I try and focus on that. Like you, I do not read reviews. Nope. And articles, I usually get, you know, we talked about our universal family. I get my friends look at it, and if it's a good one, I'll read it. Why would I want to read it if it's a bad one? But if it's a lovely one and it's going to make me feel good, then I'll read it. Mm, And I guess you start to care less what other people's version of you is. I mean, I, I, I haven't completely dismantled that one, but I certainly feel a lot less bothered. And I think it goes for anybody, whether you're publicly scrutinized or not, that you get to a stage in your life where you just don't worry as much about what, you know, people at work think of you or people in your local town or your neighbours or whatever. You just let it go a little bit. It takes a lot of energy. Yeah, it's draining. To worry about that. It's quite exhausting. And I think maybe we've just fatigued ourselves. We're tired. To the, we're tired. <laughs> we're so maybe that's tired. <laughs> so tired. So fucking tired. I know, yeah. I know. It's just you, you haven't got time for I do for love it. your morning posts that you do on Instagram. Oh, make me laugh. I just mate. love them. I live for them. I love your I love your raw honesty and I love your sharing. I think it's very brave. It has to be done. Because it's hard. It's hard, in, though, in the public eye to, to, to share. Well, this is because I don't be. care as I much anymore. Out. I don't care. I don't care. Look, I some of the time I look all right. Other times I look absolutely rough as a rusty old bucket. I need to put that picture out there and for people to see all <laughs> angles of me, quite frankly. I'm happy with all of them. It's all good. Yeah, it just, we, we have to let that stuff go. Look, one of the reasons you're obviously tired is because you've got lovely little Max. How's Max doing? He's amazing. Oh, man. He's amazing. Yeah. So what's Max now, three? 
Uh, he's 20 months. Oh, he's 20 months. Okay. 20 he's months. So, yeah, I've just had the most incredible experience. I mean, talk about mm. a leveler, I think, becoming a parent has been the most, I guess, the best thing to ever happen to me in my entire life hmm. would be an understatement. <laughs> yeah. A very yeah. wanted, a very wanted child. Yes. I wanted to be a mum from since I was a little girl. I'm so happy for you. So, I'm so happy. And I know I, I read, I mean, again, this might be highly inaccurate because I read it, but um, you, you talked about how after your divorce in 2008, you, you felt this pressure that you had to, fill all these societal norms, you know, meet someone, settle down, feel complete with where you're at in your life, et cetera, et cetera, which is a really archaic notion that we're still weirdly wedded to, that we have to, you know, especially for women, it's much more of a female pressure that you're meant to tick all these boxes in a certain order. And of course, that's just not how life works. When did you start to lose that idea and think, no, I'm going to be a mum on my terms and do it how I want to do it? I think it was partly society, and it was partly my personality being the kind of person that's like, I'm not frightened of going to do therapy. I'm not frightened of looking inside myself. Like, right, what do I need to turn over to kind of heal myself? Like that I'm a seeker. I'm a spiritual seeker. That's something that I've always been interested in. So for what I thought were all these issues that I had, you know, I was doing so much therapy and I was just like crying all the time <laughs> years of doing that. And I was like, I don't think it's actually fixed the thing I was actually going for. Yes, I figured a lot out about my dynamics and, you know, my family dynamics and why I'm this way and why I'm that way. But ultimately, I realized, and I believe this to be true, you know, you choose, you choose that, you choose all of it. You know, you come into this world and maybe for those broken bits and maybe for those edges, you know, look at my job and what I do. I mean, I have to have to be in touch with certain kind of things to, to have those feelings. So I see that as a gift now, something that, you know, you could see was a disadvantage. I see it as what makes me who I am. And I think I just, the, I think the universe showed me that you're not in control. I, I was trying to control things to such a degree and trying to kind of, you know, find the right guy and settle down and do all these things. And, and it just wasn't working. And I think I just had to confront that at a point where I was at that age where I wanted to be a parent. And, you know, it's that time of your life where time can be running out. And so that issue got forced and I, I had to surrender. My desire to be a mum won. Thank God for that. Hooray for that. Mm. And so off the back of that was this sense of, and I wrote a song about it with Katie Tunstall. She's a legend. And it's called Nothing Missing. And I was having experientially that feeling. I was like, oh, my gosh, there was never anything missing. I had decided and made up this story that there was and was trying to fix it. And, and you know, that's what I love about the themes that run on this album. And I can't wait for them to, to be owned by everyone that's, that buys the album because – you know, it's like they get to experience it through my epiphanies. Mm. And that was a really big one for me. Yeah. So, And, you know, imagine having to kind of be a trailblazer in a situation that you maybe don't want to be. And you're like, oh, gosh. But I wanted to take control of that and I wanted to do it on my own terms. And so that's been very healing. And the love and support that I got 
um, when I put the statement out that I was, you know, becoming a parent on my own was just overwhelming. So. I can't even imagine and, and, and inspiring for so many people that have also felt like they've got to stick to this weird set of old fashioned rules that can just be lugged out the window. We don't need that anymore. You know, everybody should be free to do life exactly how they want to, in whatever order, in whatever way. To, to fulfill their own happiness and, and sense of peace. And some of us don't, some of us, Fern, don't choose the path course, that we've got yeah. on, yeah. you know? Like, it, we might have desires and ideals, but I think what people forget is, and sometimes I think I'm quoted and written about as, like, deciding this thing. And it's like, well, also, life kind of led me to a point and I had a choice. It wasn't necessarily that I was like, Oh, I don't need a man. Gosh, no way. You know, there was also about finding yourself in a situation and going, you know, this is, I'm going to do it this way. But it's not necessarily instead of something else. Mm, I'm so happy for you. I mean, it's almost, well, it is impossible to sum up parenting. It's too huge and just intense. But well, let's, I guess, let's go from this angle. What what has Max taught you about yourself? Oh, my gosh. Just my capacity to love. I think the unconditional love that you experience through becoming a parent um, and the joy and, for me, kind of, you know, they're not your property. And so it's like a privilege to be chosen by them, to give them this start. And obviously we have the anxieties about wanting to keep them safe and all of that, but just kind of, wow, how cool is this that I get to hang out with you every day? Mm. It's pretty cool. Mm. I just find it miraculous. And for anyone who has, you know, had their moments of melancholy or sadness, which I know that I have, um, it's been amazing for that because although, you know, it's tough and it's stressful and there's, you know, this whole other pressure on you, to find a new way of doing things, it's just, it's there's so much more joy in your life. It goes back again to what we talked about earlier with surrendering, doesn't it? Because like you just said, these little people, are they've got their own stuff going on. They've got their own destiny, their own path they're going to walk down. And, oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? I often find myself nature, going, nature. how much, yeah, like how much am I meant to be, you know, steering this little human or how much am I meant to be learning from them? It's just, I'm confused by parenting every day. It's just so Do you know what? I watched a really interesting Oprah um, episode. Oh, right. We, we love Oprah. Love Oprah. And there was this one show that I found interesting about transference. And I think it's it's a good thing that I thought, I mean, whether it's true or not, I can't prove it, but it was about this mum who had this gorgeous cheerleader, blonde, beautiful daughter, but the mum didn't have any self-confidence. And even though the mum was saying to the daughter, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're gonna, you know, this girl had no confidence. She was in tears, she mm. felt ugly, she felt this, she felt that was very real for her. And I just found it really interesting about this concept of transference and that, you know, maybe the best thing that we can do is the work we do on ourselves and like being, you know, the best version of ourselves we can be, but for us, yeah. you know, instead of just it all being about fixing everything for them. I think, I think that goes a long way as a parent is that if, if they know that mum and dad 
or just mum or just dad or whatever are happy. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, leading by example. It's good to remember that. Yeah. It's a pressure in itself, isn't it? Because, all you know... Sometimes I think, oh, am I, am I meant, should I show them that I'm upset or should I demonstrate that I'm frustrated or whatever? And often I just go, oh, at least I'm demonstrating a very full-bodied human who has many experiences and emotions <laughs> rather than pretending that I've always got everything under control, which I really don't because I don't have the strength to, to do that. I'm often going, oh, damn, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's just... It's so I think it's important to be honest. I I get what you're saying. I guess it's not about pretending to be happy. Yeah, no, no. It's not about putting on a happy face and it's, it's. Well, like you you say, it's doing the work, isn't it? If you, if you do the work on yourself Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be therapy, it can just be having a bit more awareness and mindfulness or that word sometimes gets, you know, misused, but just being aware of what you're like and why you're you operate in a certain way and being kinder to yourself. Maybe that's a big one. I think that's, I think yeah. that goes a long way. I know? do. If we can be kind to ourselves, then that's hopefully a really good influence that, that they'll do the same. And, you know, cause I often sit, my daughter can be quite overly apologetic and, and I sometimes think, Oh God, that, that could be a little bit of transference there. Cause I can be highly apologetic for just being me and I'm like why am I apologizing for being me to everything and everyone I'm just me I, deal I with catch it my, I catch myself saying sorry for saying sorry so I, I can relate <laughs> to that one <laughs> sorry. you have become truly British you really have <laughs> that is a sign right there um you you recorded your album in the countryside because I know that you um, migrated out of London to the countryside a while back what influence did that environment have on your writing, having, I'm imagining, a sense of peace being outside of the craziness? Well, I recorded in the barn that I'm in now. So I was songwriting during my pregnancy. And then obviously there was a break during that period when I had the baby. And then I started recording. So lockdown hit and I was about to go into London. But as you say, being in nature, I go through this weird thing where I'll do like 10 years urban living. I did 10 years in Notting Hill. Before that, I was in Windsor. Like I hide away and then I go, ah, I want to be a part of the world. So it's just, a, I think it's just my personality. But for this creative process, it was obviously the need to isolate again, be in nature. Um, and being in the middle of fields and, and um, not around too many people. I've never really needed to be around people, sometimes too much. So I have to kind of force myself out of that. But it's been great for creativity um, and also becoming pregnant was really good for my songwriting. Mm, in what way? How did it How did it influence your songwriting? Oh, I just, I think it was the unconditional love. It was like having this baby growing inside of me and, and just the love that I felt for it. And the priorities that shift, you know, when you're suddenly not the most important thing. I think there's something about that, that that that's key for me. That it was like just that shift of, and it was exciting for me. I've had a very selfish life, and I think, um, yeah, I don't know. It just made the creative juices flow. I just wrote so many, so many songs in that period that are on this album, and then we had to find a way to record it in lockdown because I was meant to be in London, and then suddenly we couldn't leave. So the guys are like, right, Amazon Prime, order this piece of equipment. Order. I was like, oh. Oh, I've done all that. I've got loads of wires opposite me and I don't know what any of them do still. They've just sort of sat there, but I'm meant to be using them for something. <laughs> yeah. The guys were showing me. Oh, and help. literally were showing me how to plug in all the equipment. 
And I said, so wait a minute, wait a minute. How's this going to work? So there's a laptop. So that's logic. So you're recording it into the laptop in, in my barn and then sending it back to yourself to work on. But how are you turning the volume mm. up and down in my ears? I was just like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Wizardry. Yeah, amazing <laughs> what we can do. And then we would listen to it in real time. We were on Zoom and we were able to kind of listen to everyone would go off and do their parts. And then it would play down and, you know, maybe it was like a two second delay, but we had our, our headphones on and um, yeah, we made it work. That's great. I mean, I think actually it for me, I'm very similar to you in the fact that I don't need to or want to see that many people. And I can take that to extremes. Also, I really enjoy being a little hermit in my little shell and doing my own little thing. And I have to really force myself out of that. How are you feeling at the moment? Because, you know, oh, it's such an overused term again, but things are going back to normal. Well, they're kind of not, but there's sort of, you know, th- we are seeing more people. We're able to do a little more now. Are you resisting that a bit? I think I'm feeling like I need to see my friends more. I think I've been um, maybe a little too isolated. And so it's good that I'm, I mean, work's kind of got me back out there because obviously I've had to interact with that. Yeah. Um, but I have been in a little bliss bubble in the, you know, obviously the start of becoming a parent. That's a time where I was grateful that I had this extra time with Max and I could record at home and not have to leave him and could go and get a cuddle. And that was really good. But I've been thinking because I live in Oxfordshire as well and a lot of my friends are in town that I need to make more of an effort to connect to my my mates. I think it's important. I think yeah. you don't realize how much you've missed it. So yeah, that's on the agenda for sure. It's getting a little balanced, I guess, isn't it? I think the last year and a half definitely taught me I don't need to go to things that I really am dreading, like sort of big party type things. But like you say, just a quiet coffee with someone or I've got my schoolmates who are still sort of, you know, my core gang of friends. Seeing them over the last couple of months has been amazing. And again, something I'm probably more grateful for now than ever because there's been that lack and you know what? When I was living in Notting Hill, I felt like my catch-ups were a bit more transient. And since I've moved out here, people come for the weekend. Lovely. Obviously, before lockdown. But it was that yeah. thing of, you know, you have this quality catch-up and quality time and, you know, you cook. And that's become something that I've gotten into, which I, I'm quite surprised about. I wasn't cooking because, you know, Uber Eats came along. And kind of ruined it for me. Yeah. And I was lazy. And then I moved out here and you can't get any of that. So it's mm. been wonderful to read. And what's your dish? Cooking. What's what's your fa- what's your new favourite dish you're cooking? I've got a few. My favourite at the moment is salmon with roasted fennel, cherry Ooh. tomatoes and sweet potato mash. Ah, <laughs> oh, the fennel. <laughs> the fennel's a curveball. I wasn't expecting it. I love it. Roasted fennel. fennel. Gorgeous. With a bit, a bit of garlic, a little bit of garlic oil. Garlic, so garlic on everything. Garlic everywhere for me. I'm a huge garlic yeah. fan. God, well, look, I'm I'm so glad to hear that creatively you're just flying and you've got this wonderful sense of contentment and you've got your bubba. I'm I'm over the moon to to hear all of this and it's been wonderful catching up with you today. And good luck with the release of the album. It's it's such an exciting time just before it comes out. So exciting. Feels like forever at September 24th. We're nearly but, there. Um, We're nearly there'll, be, there. there'll be a couple more singles before then. Amazing. Oh, well, congratulations. And thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Fern. 
Those long, lazy weekends with people you genuinely adore, your soul team. It just sounds delicious, doesn't it? I, I hope that you get loads more of those, Natalie, you wonderful woman. Thank you so much for your time today, Natalie. Natalie's album Firebird is out on September the 24th. I'll be back very soon. So as always, make sure you're following Happy Place on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, thank you again to the gorgeous Natalie, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and always the biggest thanks to you lovely lot for listening. I'll see you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.